Welcome to Game Over World Juniors. This is the last one, and I had a, a nice intro written out for all of the other hosts to do, and I'm so unfocused being home for the holidays with the kids that I have already forgotten it. But it's SDPN, it's Elite Prospects, it's EP Rinkside. We're together here today with David St. Louis and Lauren Kelly from Elite Prospects. I'm Andrew Berkshire. If you're here watching this one, obviously this show was tailor-made to focus on the Canadian team, but we're here for the gold medal game. If you're here, you're one of the hardcores. You're a nerd. You like prospects. You're a prospect nerd. That's why you're here. So we're going to give you exactly what you want, which is some in-depth conversation about these young children who just played some fantastic hockey in a game that was a lot closer, I think, than it looked by the scoreline. Uh, David, Lauren, uh, we'll start with you, David. Uh, how did you find this game watching it? Did this tournament end the way it was supposed to? Yeah, it was really fun. Actually, it was a pretty fun tournament overall. It's always fun, but I feel like this year it was a little above. Um, the game had a lot of pace, a lot of breakdowns too, but to some good defense, like in terms of tactics, it was interesting. Uh, we saw a lot of first round prospects that we followed through the year. So it had all the right elements to make this really fun, honestly. Lauren? Yeah, and I think the way that this tournament ended, the two best teams going head to head for, you know, a chance to win gold and obviously the most stacked team on paper, at least heading into the tournament, ended up winning it. And, you know, Sweden put up a good fight uh, for their, you know, first chance to try and win gold on home soil. So uh, it was a really exciting game, a really exciting way to end the, uh, what was a really great tournament. Yeah, it was, it was really fantastic. You know, we had the, in the bronze medal game, one of the greatest comebacks, maybe in like international hockey history. Uh, pulled off by Czechia against Finland. And then you have this one where I, like the scoreline looks bad, but I, I feel like for 50 minutes of this game or more, it was a really, really tight, well-fought game by both teams with very contrasting styles, right? You look at the American lineup and especially at forward, they essentially brought four scoring lines, right? Like I, I was noticed in the first period, one of my takeaways was I was looking at all these players and the way that they were playing. And I was like, they basically went into this tournament and were like, what if we bring William Nylander nine times? And I don't mean that as like a knock on William Nylander, but a lot of those guys could kind of get lost in their own defensive zone. And you could tell that the, the Swedish four check was really getting to them. They locked it down crazily well in the third, but you could tell a lot of those guys were thinking offense first. And maybe the takeaway should be teams should think of that more often. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun to watch because, like, yes, they both were great formations, but they use different tactics. I feel like, the, like you said, the US was, was very offensive focused, and it was a lot of rush offense and creating breakdowns in the position and, and a high cycle, making some creative passes at the top of the zone. And the, the Swedish team had better defense, and they rely on that too. But it was mostly like they. When they couldn't break through, they would just dump the puck and cycle low in the zone. And I retweeted something about these two strategies being really opposed. And one is more old style and the other one is more new style. And I think uh, it was fun to see that the more creative hockey won in the end. And that's really what's fun to watch and I, what I like to watch and what most people w w want to watch, really. So we saw a lot of creative plays from, from the, the U.S. team. But like you said, could have gone either way, really. It's just who was going to capitalize on the breakdowns the most. And I feel in the end, it was the, the U.S. team. They had superior talent, maybe just a slightly. And yeah, it was a really fun game, honestly, for the strategies, for the players who played really exciting. Lauren, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with everything that David said. Like, so two uh, very different teams who had pretty different paths to get here, even though I thought, I think heading into the tournament, we thought Sweden was probably going to finish atop the group and they still ended up doing that. But I don't think any of us expected them to lose to Finland uh, in the round robin. And so uh, heading into this game, I was basically like, you know, is the defense going to hold up against this like stacked superpower American team? And obviously we saw in this game, there were large stretches of it where the American forwards were just beating the defenders down the wall, getting, you know, rushes to the net. Uh, there were a lot more defensive breakdowns from Sweden than I thought we would see from them in this game. And I thought the Americans did a really good job of exposing them in uh, on the rush and in zone coverage as well. And I think that's why they ultimately ended up winning. I mean, they were just the better team at, you know, ex uh, capitalizing on, you know, the little few lapses that the their opponent had. And whereas, you know, with Sweden, the Americans are definitely not perfect defensively, but they struggled to really create consistent offensive zone pressure. I mean, Trey Augustine did have to make a couple of big saves to keep 
uh, the score the way it was, especially late in that third period before they kind of blew away at the end. Um, but yeah, the, the Americans just did a, a much better job, I felt like, overall of kind of capitalizing on their uh, the, their opponents' mistakes. Yeah, it seemed like, uh, I mean, obviously there's less access to detailed analytics during a World Juniors tournament than there would be during NHL games. But just by the eye test, it seemed like to me, at least through the th first 40 minutes, uh, the last period I feel like must have been heavily tilted towards the USA. But through the first 40, it felt like maybe Sweden had more scoring chances, but the USA had much higher quality scoring chances. And, you know, I, I feel like, uh, I feel bad for for the Swedish goalie there, Havlid, but uh, it, it does seem like he couldn't, stand up to the quality of performance that Trey Augustine was giving either. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, both goalies are really good. So the quality of performance, there wasn't a big gap between these two, but a small gap at this level, sometimes it's the difference between winning and losing. And he could have made some extra saves, but the shots he got uh, that went in, they were pretty good shots, maybe except for the Zeev Bouillon shot that was pretty far away. But the rest of them, breakaways or passes in front, it was a pretty some pretty difficult saves for him. But yeah, I guess the U.S. goalie really uh, beat him in this matchup. Yeah, and well, I think, you know, Havlid was, I guess, named the best goalie of the tournament. But and yeah, today's it? game just was like, it's not a reflection of how his tournament like what played out. He was phenomenal in some of those games, especially against Canada um, in the round robin. And then again in the uh, semifinals against the Czechs. Uh, so, you know, obviously not not every goalie is going to have a perfect game. And, you know, Augustine was just a little bit better tonight, but the, there's he has nothing to hang his hat on or whatever that saying is. Like, he played really well tonight. Like <laughs> He shouldn't hang his head, I think, is what yes, you're going he... for. <laughs> <clears throat> there we go. Yeah. My brain is fried from the last two weeks. So <laughs> Yeah, and I know we, we always talk every year about how, like, this tournament isn't the thing that you should hang your hat on, Lauren, for prospect analysis, right? <laughs> but... Uh, I think for a lot of people who aren't familiar with prospects, this is the time when they get to see these players play back to back to back for the first time, right? Or for, for the most in their hockey watching season. Um, so it, it can be dangerous to overanalyze these guys and like make rankings and all this based on a world junior tournament. But I feel like it might be even more dangerous to do that for goaltenders. It seems like goaltenders can come into this tournament and be terrible and end up with fine NHL careers or be absolutely unbeatable and never be heard from again. Where does Trey Augustine fit in that for you guys? I think it's another overall good performance for him. But like you said, it won't define his entire career. But th those stages are always important to evaluate goaltenders to an extent because you want to see their mental strength, their ability to step up in big games. But does that really matter in the end in your evaluation? Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it should, depending on the goalie. So like you said, goalies in general are very hard to evaluate. And you just add, like, if it's if it's a small sample size, it's even harder. You really have to watch them for, for years to really understand their game and how they might perform in the NHL. So you, you can't put too much weight on these games, but they're maybe a bit more important than your traditional regular season game. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but the question is, do people latch on to Trey Augustine's performance or do they kind of shake their head at the sportsmanship at the end? Because I, I don't know, how, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this this game was like a microcosm of how exciting USA hockey is and how also very difficult it is to ever root for them. Because <laughs> you're just, you're reminded very quickly that it's like a group of really like prep school kids and they very much act like that. And I thought the crowd for this game in Sweden was absolutely phenomenal. You know, they were reactive to missed calls, of course, but they weren't uh, mean spirited. They were singing, they were having a good time. So the, the egging on of the crowd at the end there, it didn't play super well. For, for me i know they're teenagers but eh. <laughs> yeah i think when you do this this kind of scouting job for a while you tend to root for individual players more than, than teams so you watch this and you you want to see certain players perform well and all of this so i don't know i didn't see that as much but i'm not looking as much for that either so i wouldn't necessarily know how to answer this question but yes if they, they played with the crowd I thought it was fun at times and maybe a bit over the line in, in other times, but uh, it, it won't matter in the end, I think. 
Yeah, I think I'm less bothered by, you know, the Ryan Leonard hype up the good, like, are you here? Are you, I, I can't hear you, Sully, at the end of the game than I am. I think Cutter Goche was the one who cross-checked when the Swedes yep. that sparked that entire scrum with 30 seconds left. At that point, you're up by four. You may, like, I understand adrenaline's running high and so are your emotions. You know you're going to win. Uh, I do really need to be beating down on your opponent. I mean, obviously it led to the most impressive fight I've ever seen Lane Hudson have, but... <laughs> So, I mean, I guess if he doesn't do that, we we don't get to see that side of Lane Hudson. But uh, at that point, I was more bothered, not necessarily bothered, but it was just at a point like, do you really need to be doing this with 30 seconds left in the game? Uh, kind of delayed the inevitable, I guess. And then obviously, you know, if you're the Swedish players, you can't just allow the U.S. players to bully you in your own building. So uh, there was one of those cases where, yeah, they're, they're teenagers, emotions are running high. Uh it is what it is. I'm not too bothered by the over aggressive sellies, I guess, at the end. Yeah. yeah and we, we should say Canada does that stuff too. And it, it's still not, it doesn't leave the best taste in your mouth. Like the, the cutter Gauthier thing at the end was pretty gross. Like, as you mentioned, Lauren, they were already celebrating, you know, like they, they knew that it was over. Right. So <clears throat> it's just unnecessary, which it kind of sucks to have that because it's such a great moment for USA hockey. And then you kind of have to, sit with that in your mouth too like it's just like you're chewing something and it's a good good meal but there's a little bit of dirt in it yeah i, I, I was going to say i wonder if arbor jack i watched that fight and was getting worried for his spot in the lineup because he's really <laughs> needed now that Blaine hudson can fight <laughs> it, it's funny i was watching house fans on twitter react to that and they were like don't injure lane hudson like they're <laughs> mad at cutter Gauthier for starting it the man is like bleeding profusely like <clears throat> multiple times in this game. I think he's already as injured as it's going to get. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously he was a big standout in terms of like overall play for USA, even if he wasn't a, a top-end scorer overall in this tournament. Um, let's get into some individual performances, but before I do, I have to remind everybody watching, please like the stream, uh, whether you're watching live or on replay. We love you all. It really means a lot to us that you come in and tune in. And uh, if you're listening on uh, wherever you can get your podcasts, you know, you can run on back to youtube and like us there you can leave a review or a rating tell us how much you love us or hey something we need to improve on who knows it doesn't matter all criticism is good as long as it's coming from a good place uh then let's go into some individual performances we'll start with lane hudson because obviously with me hosting there's gonna be some canadians fans here uh, i've got some regulars in the chat already so let's start with him uh not the highest scoring tournament for lane hudson similar thing as last year but uh Overall, I, I feel like his role was wildly different than last season. Yeah, and it was good to see him play in a different role. Exactly, like see more of his defensive game, his ability to contain rush and play in a lesser offensive role. Because in this team, he gets all the blocks. Like he has all the ice time, all the blocks. He can play hero hockey, he can play any brand of hockey that he really wants. This time, he had to adapt his game to a new role, and that's what he's going to have to do in the NHL too. So. It's good that we got to see that from him. And he performed well overall. Like maybe his points weren't at, as flashy. There were more uh, breakout passes or simple puck distribution on the power play. But he also had his moments. Like the give and go he made in the earlier game where he just ran in the offensive zone, passed the puck back to someone, got it back below the goal line and fed it in front. So he adds those highlights and he played pretty consistently good after the first couple of games when he got more ice time uh, like he's used to. So... I think he performed well in every facet of the game. Maybe the rush defense was a bit harder at times. It's always the, the skating with him. Um, it's good. It's not amazing. So was he ever? Was he always able to absorb rushes and all of this? I think he missed some of them. He contained some others. So uh, the defensive game was a positive. I think overall, not a big positive, but a positive, and that's good for his development and what we want from him uh, going forward. Because we know he has offense. Do is he going to be able to defend in the NHL? The question remains a bit. Yeah, it is. And it is a question. It's a fair question, right? I think there's more to draw from from this tournament in terms of his total NHL contribution. Like there's uh, a lot more positives than if he would have just come in here and scored like 15 points and been used as a power play third pairing guy, right? Played over 27 minutes tonight. Huge minute eater for the USA down the stretch. Uh Big tournament, I think, for Lane Hudson as a hockey player. Yes, definitely. I think it was a stepping stone for him, like it's something different. Uh, you want players to play in multiple environments, and that's it's just, just going to help him. We'll see where he is next year, but I think it's just going to help him in his development. 
Absolutely. All right, uh, Lauren, who was your biggest standout for the tournament overall? Oh, that is a good question. Um, yeah, like, honestly, I think, uh, I mean, the obvious couple of ones are Gavin Brindley. Uh, the first time really for me to see his, I guess, goal scoring ability up close. He is small player, super speedy, undersized, but he doesn't play that way. That was I was super impressed by him and his ability to uh, get down low work uh, along the boards, kind of hardest working player consistently. I really liked Brecker McGroity in this tournament throughout, just super consistent and so impressive the way he played at this tournament, given that he uh, was battling a pretty serious injury heading into this tournament. We weren't even sure if he was going to end up playing. Um, and then I think the other guy, uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki and his shot is just lethal. So I was, I was impressed to see, uh, I guess, just guys that I don't normally get to see on a regular basis being so dialed in on the OHL during the year. Yeah, he was really good, honestly. Um, and for me, there was a bunch I could talk about, many different players. Um, there was first Macklin Celebrini. I think we got to see the best of his game in many of his shifts, like the dynamic skills and the way he can take over shifts and create in defensive zone and, and get in sign lane with his skating. So uh, I think when I last, talked to, I last talked to Mitch Brown, he was still the leader in game score in the overall tournament. So we track advanced stats. Not we, I should say. Lassie and Mitch track advanced stats throughout the whole tournament, and he was still the leader in uh, offensive zone entries and exits and creating defensive zone. So despite not playing uh, the last few games, there was Lane Hudson and Zeev Bouillon on, on as a draft eligible. I think he really stood out. He scored some pretty big goals, and uh, I had some nice passing plays too. We saw his offensive game and how he could handle himself defensively too. He has a pretty complete game. We'll see about the skating. Some people think it's really like high and elite. I think it's more average. So we'll see how it affects his draft stock going forward. It was a bunch of other. You talk about like Yamaki, his shot a lot. Not sure about the whole five on five game. I'm not as much of a believer in Yamaki's game as others, but the shot is elite. Like you can't deny it. It's almost automatic on the power play. Uh, um, Mr. Cutter Gauthier, too, had a pretty detailed tournament, like offensively, defensively, was everywhere. There, there's really a bunch of great performances in this tournament. Yeah, it, it's been a, a fantastic tournament overall. How how impressed? How much of the future can you see in Vancouver for Elias Patterson? Like, how big of, of a part of that team is he going to be? Because it seems like having two of those would be good. Two Elias Patterson's, you know, <laughs> like it just seems like it. It wouldn't be bad. It, there's no way you could ruin that, right? Unless he decides not to sign. It seems really it's destined to one. happen. Like if if you should have someone with the same name, you want him to play on the same team just for the fun of it. Uh, but he's really uh, more of a shutdown defenseman. Like he has that physical side. He can absorb rushes. He always needs these kinds of players, but they need uh, some distinctive elements, something that separates them from other defensemen who can do that. And he has the size, enough mobility. I think uh, I haven't watched him as much as others on, on our team, but I like his tournament overall. Pretty quiet performance, but he was solid and at the right place at the right time. Uh, as long as he can improve his off-puck defense, so uh, really making sure that he maps out the ice in the defensive zone and not forget anyone behind him uh, when he's not directly acting on a puck area. As long as he develops that, I think he will have a role in the NHL and we'll see someone attempt to cast a game having both Elias Pedersen in the same same game. Yeah, and I think like definitely at this tournament, he's a lot more violent than I thought he was, like <laughs> throwing the body around for sure. Uh, but I think if you look at the grand scheme of, you know, Vancouver's blue line, like you got Quinn Hughes and like Hunter Bruce Devich is going to move up. And like, these are guys that are offense first. And so you kind of need a guy like Elias Pettersson on your blue line. It was kind of that shutdown guy, the big physical presence. And I'm, I'm sure he'll carve out a role successfully in that organization. And it seems like they're really high on him. It has to happen. Yeah. And just for your guys' information, it seems like YouTube is having an issue and we're just like frozen. There. Oh, no. but we're gonna keep going because this is recording and I'll, I'll put it up as a video afterwards all it's doing is like our faces are frozen and then every once in a while it shows an ad so uh thanks youtube very helpful love yeah, that for a live show i know i know it's not my internet because i've checked it i've got it open it's it's strong enough it's much more strong than it needs to be um <laughs> trying to think of what else i had uh how many no no here's a good one uh lauren zeev boyum 
how big of a tournament has this been for opening people's eyes for him? Because I've seen a lot of scouts talking about how much he's moved up the rankings. Obviously, you can't do it all in one tournament, but it seems like it's been a building uh, story throughout the year. Yeah, and I think though my philosophy with like smaller tournaments like World Juniors, like the Holinka, is that it can't necessarily hurt your draft stock too much. But if you have a really good tournament, then you can your draft stock can just start climbing. And I think that's exactly what Boyam has done in this tournament. I mean, he was a guy that I wasn't really sure what we were going to expect to see from him heading into this tournament. What kind of role they would give him? You know, would he be shining offensively? And I think he really proved that you know on the world stage that he's a guy that you can count on in big moments uh, to step up with the big. Goal or to you know neutralize the rush um pretty impressive tournament overall i mean like i i don't know when we meet next to rank or uh rank uh do our next board or whatever where he'll end up falling on that ranking or landing on that ranking following is not the right word i'm sure he'll be right up there with the top of d-men in this class um but yeah it's just definitely a big tournament for him i thought he was consistently like aside from Celebrini I thought maybe he he looked like one of the best draft eligibles at this tournament uh which is pretty impressive considering yeah he's probably going to be in our top 10 I can I can call it <laughs> like if I compare his performance not, not just at this tournament but since over the past few months to other defensemen we have high I think he's beating them in a bunch of categories and he's just uh, the, the upside is pretty great. He has some limitations. I talked about him before, but it's getting pretty interesting. I can put it like this. Yeah, it, it seems like he's a guy who's going to turn a lot of heads. Uh, <clears throat> Rucker McGrordy, I know there's a lot of Jets fans that are really high on him. There's no way you can have a name like that and not be a natural born leader, right? <laughs> Yeah, he had, a, he had a really good. Nah, I don't I know. I, I didn't spot him that much in this game, but he had a pretty big hit on on Zoram. I, I saw that, like everyone in the arena saw that. Uh, I watched him over the rest of the games in the tournament, and he's still the skating is getting better. But that's really the main weakness in this game. But the rest of his game, it's everything is there. Like he can, he can make plays, he, he can work the boards, he has that, that kind of shot. He, he's very good at positioning himself too. It's just will he have the mobility to? play his game in the NHL and I think more and more the answer is yes and uh, we didn't really see it with him as much as the Jets uh, went in his draft year but more and more I think they were right to select him around uh, where they did like it was really his right spot considering the skill and what he can bring in a game and the, the leadership element not sure how to really quantify it but <laughs> we, he's been having the he's been given the C and A's everywhere so uh, I, th I think it's pretty big a testament that he's a born leader yeah uh, Lauren uh, it was a pretty quiet tournament until this game, respectively to what he's done with his line in other tournaments throughout his, you know, how many years now with, with the other guys from the U.S. development program. Uh, but Ryan Leonard stick the fork in it at the end there with an absolutely astonishingly good goal fighting off checks like crazy. Where do you see him coming out of this tournament? Yeah, I think um, Smith and Perot obviously get a lot more attention. I think they found each other on several goals uh, throughout this tournament, like way more like R Leonard, I think if you is kind of like the third man on that line sometimes, but uh, he had a tremendous tournament. I thought he was basically doing everything at one point besides landing his name on the score sheet. And even then, I think he still put up a ton of points. So you know, the, this is a player that, you know, is uh, physically imposing, uh, plays that kind of like dog on a bone style of game where it's like, if you are in a one-on-one -on -one race or battle for the puck with this guy, you're probably going to lose it because he is just that determined to get it back from you. Um, and it's just a really kind of punctuation mark, that 5-2 goal on his tournament where, you know, he seems to rise to the occasion, the higher the stakes get, the better he plays. Um, and you know, he scored a really big goal against, uh, he scored the overtime winner against Sweden at the U18s too, I believe earlier this year or last year. So this is a guy who just loves to show up for big moments, but he's, you know, it, for the rest of the game, he's doing all the little things. Well, uh, the off puck positioning, the reads, it, it's all, this is a really, really good player and uh Caps fan should be very excited. Yeah, it was about as much of a Ryan Leonard goal as it could be, right? It came a shift or two after running the goalie, and then when a Swedish defenseman started to get in his face, he very clearly dove backward trying to draw a penalty, and then he just outmuscles everybody, and his celly is igniting the crowd as well. Like it, 
that span of a few minutes really summed up who he is as a hockey player and why he's such an exciting prospect because he doesn't even need to score like he's scoring in the world juniors to be a very big factor in the NHL. Just the agitation alone, the number of penalties that he's going to draw on retaliations, it's going to be crazy. Like people get upset about uh, Matthew Kachuk. I could see Ryan Leonard being like Matthew Kachuk agitator on something else. Yeah, that's who he models his game after. So <laughs> not <Definitely>, surprising. <laughs> yeah, they're the Cavs really just have Tom Wilson 2.0 in their system. <laughs> oh my god. Not again. Not again. And Ovi will still be there scoring. But uh yeah, there's it was such a great tournament with so many different styles of player standouts. And I think that's what's so special about this tournament is yeah, it's a little bit more loose defensively because it's junior hockey than the NHL, but because of that, we're able to see like some of the coolest stuff that the most talented young players can do. And that that's what makes me excited about this tournament every year and why I come back to it every year, why I'm watching Sweden versus USA right now, instead of uh, just sticking to Canada, right? It's like the whole tournament has something for everyone. Um, moving on, we should talk about Canada a little bit because, you know, that we're Canadian. This is a Canadian network, so we got to focus a little bit. Do we have any final words on what went wrong for Team Canada here? Or was this a situation where this just wasn't the year? You know, there's multiple Canadian eligible players playing in the NHL, which is almost always the case. Did they pick a, a team poorly? Was it coached poorly? Or was this just not ever going to be their year with the powerhouse USA and Sweden squads? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, we see many many talk about luck with them, and I think it it is a factor. Like you can't discard it because they lost some pretty big pieces to injuries and illness, and then some pucks didn't go in that maybe should have had they should have had as goals. Um, but yeah, I think it's really it comes down to the strength of their defense mostly. Their their puck moving game, uh, they couldn't get out of the zone unless uh, Matejchuk and Lamoureux were playing. So if these guys weren't uh, on the ice, they really struggled to. And make breakouts and then those breakouts are supposed to lead to controlled zone entries and more offense uh they overpassed the puck a bit but they didn't have any great chances in the slot for long stretches in games too so it's a bit of everything i think it's really rarely one factor that leads to an early exit like this uh it wasn't their strongest year just from um the, the crop of players they had to select from uh, in general but they left some names some people at home that could have helped like oren pickering i think it's the main guy who would have made a big difference because he's a breakout master and he has that offensive game and he's big and physical so that's a bit of a mystery i didn't have any explanation why he was left uh, off the roster um and um, i don't know i think it's a combination of factors it just wasn't their year they weren't very lucky some personal decision too and just the way they executed their strategy yeah and i think uh hearing uh the way that uh hockey canada management spoke about the tournament overall after Canada was eliminated, I guess, prematurely, um, you know, they uh, admitted the fact that the 2004 born group has never represented Canada at an international stage. The Holinka Gretzky cup was canceled or Canada didn't go during their draft year because of the pandemic, they didn't really have a U18s because the CHL season, the playoffs were delayed to start. So they didn't get the best group of O4s for that, for the 2022 U18s. Um, so for a lot of these players, this is their very first time representing Canada on an international stage. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, if they obviously bounces don't go your way, you know, two years ago, if Mesa McTavish doesn't make that save, Canada doesn't win gold. You know, if Connor Bedard doesn't do what he did last year, uh, against Slovakia in the quarterfinals, Canada just goes out in the quarterfinals, maybe potentially, and they didn't have a game breaker this year. Uh, on their team. And I think, you know, you can take that into account as, you know, bounces don't always go your way. You know, sometimes the puck is going to deflect off of Oliver Bog and pass your goalie with 11 seconds left in a tie game. But if you also only look at that 
and say like, oh, it just wasn't our year. Um, we'll get them next year. There's a better crop of players coming. I don't, I think that's a little bit disingenuous. I think if you had found a way to get uh, line chemistry going, if you had changed up your offensive system and your structure, you may not have found yourself in a tie game with the checks in the third period. You know, there, like, if you can, if you shoot the puck more on net and you don't overpass 30 times or whatever Scott Salmon ended up saying that they ended up doing, they passed on 30 prime shooting opportunities by Oof. his count uh, in that game. So I, I don't know exactly what he was counting, but that's what he <laughs> admitted to the media, which I thought was, you know, pretty impressive to that you would you know want to admit that maybe your team wasn't as shoot first as they probably should have been in certain scenarios I think if you uh if you only chalk this tournament up to oh it was a bad bounce you know next year we'll get them I think that's a little bit disingenuous I think you know if your offensive system is a little bit different maybe you're not maybe you're up by three goals over the checks in the third period and then a bounce goes off Oliver Oliver Bonk's leg and oh it's only 5-3 at that point not you lose the game and your tournament's done so it's one of those things where yes like I completely agree with everything David said like you know it's a little bit of both like everything kind of just didn't go Canada's way they lost a bunch of defensemen before the tournament flying players over after you've already taken the team overseas isn't ideal either um, yeah, it was just a kind of a calamity of errors kind of manifested itself into this team's quarterfinal exit. Yeah, it, it seems. And also whenever you're coming into a tournament like this and you have one returning player, it's probably not a good sign, right? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of players, like you said, Lauren, that haven't had the chance to come up through this program together. We look at like Smith, Perot and Leonard who've played together for what they said, five years now, those guys have been playing together. It's it's easy, like you can develop chemistry, but it's a little bit different when you've had that much time with somebody else or multiple someone else's. Uh, it, it is tough. And I think like a lot of people who are on the outside from Canada, because there's a lot of people in Canada who are like gold or nothing, right? Who might see us talking about this Canada team failing out in the quarterfinals and saying like, oh, this, they need to improve here, here, here. It's like, I don't think any of us here believe that Canada should win this tournament every year. I think for the tournament to maintain compelling, maintain being compelling, uh, for it not to just be a TSN product, there has to be other teams that blow the doors off and take their wins. USA has been knocking at the door and, and winning golds every here ever here and there for a long time now. Sweden perennially knocking at the door never seems to finally get their gold. You know, Finland has had some great tournaments. Now we've seen Czechia in the top four for three straight years after having one top four finish for, I think it was like 16 years or something like that, or 15 years. It It's good to have that. But at the same time, we can't, as people who are looking at this Canadian team, sit back and say, well, you know, win some, you lose some. You do have to criticize when there's things that are done wrong or uh, poor preparation or, or poor coaching. And it's not about, you know, criticizing the young players, but, you do have to hold the structures into account uh, just as part of media, right? That's that's part of the job. So I think we, with that said, Team Canada seems to be very interested in being their own enemy a lot of the time, it seems to me. Like, I, I think two things can be true at once, that Canada brings teams regularly to this tournament that they know are going to cross the line in ways that the IHF doesn't appreciate, uh, you know, whether it's hitting high or hitting a little bit late, just that extra brand of physical hockey that will get you more penalties. And I think because they have that reputation, there's also an inflationary situation with their penalties and penalties were a problem this whole tournament, right? For, for Canada, they were getting themselves in penalty trouble. It's a problem. Every tournament, where do you think Canada can go Outside of just as simply as simple as saying like bring skill, 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 like the USA is doing. What what's the the path forward for Canada to kind of shake this reputation? Is it just something that Team Canada is stuck with with because that's the Canadian identity, or can we move away from that? Part of the problem I felt like with this team is that they just hadn't played under Double IHF officiating before, and I think that's why you saw penalties like the geeky hit is a clean hit in the NHL but in the IHF you can't do that and I think it was the little bit of inexperience of playing on an international stage that led to them taking the kind of penalties that we're not used to seeing international teams take usually they're a little bit more 
restrained when it comes to the way they throw their bodies around, the way they, you know, guard players along the boards. Um, that, that being said, I felt like overall at this tournament, there were so many five-minute majors called uh, on plays that, you know, were borderline, um, but then also probably to uh, account for the fact that they wanted to review those penalties and get the plays right. But I felt like there were a lot more ejections this tournament than I think uh, that I can remember seeing. Um, so it could be a product of that. It could be a product of the inex inexperience. Um, next year's team should be interesting because they can return a lot of players uh, who will learn from this experience, definitely. And I'm sure they'll be very motivated. Those players who were in the locker room this time for the geeky ejection, for the non-call hit on Owen Beck, uh, like they're, they're going to be better prepared to, I guess, inform or warn their new teammates about, you know, how strictly uh, discipline is handled with the AAHF. Uh, and, you know, I guess we'll see what kind of learning experience they can take away from this tournament and bring it into next year. And I trust that the players in that locker room have are already ready to go for next year. Like, I'm sure they're ready to take this loss away and get right back to playing, even though it's going to take them another 11 months to get there. I mean, I, I want to see how many more years Easton Cowan can play because he looks about 12. <laughs> like, I, I want to check that birth certificate. I'm not sure. I'm sure he could get a few, um, few more than one more uh, after this one. And he, he was pretty, pretty good this year. I thought he was uh, pretty surprisingly good after, uh, you know, so-so year, I guess. But overall, really, really good uh, for the World Juniors today or this year. Um, let's go to the questions a little bit. But before we do, Lauren, I have a question for you to start out just to to feed all the Habs fans who are in the chat now. Owen Beck traded right after this tournament. He's going. Uh, is this a much better trade than last year when he got traded to uh, Peterborough? Well, I I want to say that they haven't finalized the trade yet. Oh, like it's not Jeff final. Merrick, Jeff Merrick had only reported that he was the they were working at a trade with Saginaw. Um, so like if they can get this trade done, this is the best case scenario for him. Like I couldn't have picked a better place for him to end up landing. And I thought when Saginaw had initially made a trade for a third third line center uh, back in October, uh, I had thought there was no way they were going to a have the assets to make a trade of this magnitude uh, and b that like there, there was no way I thought he would end up there. And so for them to have found a way to also add him to their lineup, like this is probably the strongest Memorial Cup hosting team that we've seen in recent memory as far as like, I mean, I know Kamloops was stacked last year with Stan Coven and Zellweger and Caden uh, Baker, but this is just one of the most like strong assembled teams like on paper. Uh, like you look at the number of um, NHL draft picks, you got Hunter Hayden, and Matias Shapovalov, who we saw at this tournament, Rodwin Dionisio, uh, NHL draft talent, Zane Perek, uh, Michael Misa in a couple of years. Um, like just from top to bottom, this is a really, really good team. And if they can finalize this trade and he's off to Saginaw, like they're the easy Memorial Cup favorites, no matter yeah. who ends up winning their respective CHL champions championships. Um, so yeah, as far as, you know, offense goes, I expect if he ends up there that his numbers should take off. I'm hoping, uh, Saginaw plays a very, very different system than Peterborough. Peterborough is super restrictive, super safe, uh, passive when it comes to generating offense. Saginaw is just every, like, like their players are everywhere on the ice. There's just like the way they can generate offense is, uh, pretty impressive. So like, I would hope that his offensive production takes off if he lands there. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm very excited to see that this trade finally finalized because I've been stressed out for the last like three weeks that he's going to end up in like London or the Sioux. So <laughs> yeah, it's going All to right. be fun, honestly. <laughs> All right. I'll direct this one for David. Thanks so much, by the way, Lauren, uh, BC is not actually asking, but is stating, uh, USA hockey better than Canada hockey now, just like for franchises. Obviously, without Bedard there, it's a little bit of a different story. And also, Fantelli, I believe, is still eligible. Um, but is... I know you... In my mind, USA Hockey is catching up. I think if you put a best-on-best best tournament on today, if I'm Canada, I don't think we're, they're going in favorites based on, like, defense and goaltending. But, David, has USA Hockey as a developmental program surpassed Canada? Yes, I think. Yeah. Uh, in terms of... 
understanding what led what leads to development that's main the, the main difference between teams like uh lauren said earlier that the, the canada coach counted the shots that they missed and there were 30 of them uh, that that's pretty concerning because that means he's probably counting every time that they could have put the puck on that and that's telling about their mentality when, when the, the us their aim is really to open up the play and try more creative stuff and you see that at the u17 u18 they just encourage the players to just develop their skills all the time. And a player like Logan Cooley, who's now in the NHL, he wasn't the most skilled player like as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. You see him like with a large amount of skill now, but he was just trying a lot, trying a lot, trying a lot. And at some point, when you try something that much, you get better at it. But that's just, that's the, the main recipe for development for everyone in everything. And it works the same in hockey. So when you give freedom to their player, you, you, you make them play together and develop their creativity. At some point, they just exceed their potential they increase it and i think uh, canada has some really great players that just still develop a lot of talent and you see connor bedar and all of this we have that culture of hockey but in terms of understanding development and what leads to development and implying it in a system uh the u.s is catching up uh, i think in terms of overall talent maybe canada is still ahead a bit but they're going to get surpassed unless they change their mentality and find a way to really Open up the play and let players really um, work in a better strategy and <laughs> they select their best players to play in tournaments and make them play together. So there's a bunch of things you can do. So in a way, yes, they're really catching up fast. Yeah, I feel like what you were mentioning there, it reminds me, there's a quote that goes around once in a while. It's usually about art, right? It's about like uh, art isn't a skill. It's just being able to play, right? It's like that. that's how you actually develop yourself in certain ways and is the same is true of sports right there is skill involved obviously but the way skill starts for most people there are some people who are naturally just you know machines at whatever sport but for most people it is just having that chance to play around and figure out what works what works for them what makes what they're able to do that's special that maybe somebody else can't do or most people can't do and that that is a, a thing that with rigid style development gets lost right and it seems like the usa is better at allowing their players to develop those skills than canada is right now overall and i will say it seems like team uh, team usa has like a strategy that they prefer not just across men's teams but women's teams as well i feel like both the men and women for usa hockey it's all about like speed in transition it's like you're getting that puck and you're going up the ice as fast as possible and you're going to create problems that way off the rush all the time and it's very successful frankly it is very successful yeah yeah the goal that isaac howard scored like it's the same type of goal that he scored all the time at the u18 level like he would just speed as a defender to catch him off guard it was tom willander i think and that on that play and he just got got the puck and went to the net like he scored that same type of play so it's all speed getting ahead of the puck and beating the, the position in transition that's part of it but when you're in the offensive zone it's about using the top of the zone creating plays that way you see canada do it too but the us has it really ingrained in their strategy it's it's natural it's instinctive for them so it's a small difference but it matters in games like this 100 and i don't know if either of you guys are uh, big watchers of uh, the Swedish Hockey League, but uh, there's a comment here from Nicholas Lund that says, can the Habs get uh, his team to trade Engstrom to a team that also wants him in the same way that uh, Beck is now wanted by by Saginaw? Apparently Engstrom is not wanted. I thought he was playing on the first pair in, out there. In yeah, I thought he was playing a lot. I, I can check. I mean, we can definitely check on it. I don't know if the Canadians are going to force a trade in Sweden. <laughs> no, they don't like, have that kind of influence. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, that's a that's a bit much to ask. Like junior teams, maybe you could muscle around a little bit, but that's a professional league, right? It's a little bit tougher to do that, especially when eventually you're going to steal that player from them anyway, right? So he's uh, still playing around twenty minutes, so that, that's pretty good for a young player. Like he's not on every shift like Lane Hudson but in a pro league it's pretty normal for someone his yeah. age to get that kind of ice time it's even above average for sure uh Trinka 2.0 asks can the Habs draft Michael Misa and then they'd have Misa Meshar and Misak <laughs> announcers would hate them. Um, you can add to that they should trade for Martin Misiak from Chicago <laughs> oh my god who who was the the guy uh, I forget which team he was on. I think he was an Alan Walsh client. They just had like 
his first name and last name was it Marcel Marcel Marcel? Oh yeah, Marcel Marcel or Ivan Ivan. (laughs) Ivan Ivan was the other one too. I love it. I love it. Get all the most confusing names and put them on one team, and I will root for that team every single time. Like I've I've been pushing. Like I I see that he's actually developing now a little bit after being a bit of a long shot for a long time. But Jet Wu, I want him in the NHL so bad. I want him to be awesome because like, imagine being your name is jet woo and he has to play for the jets like just is get him he, on the jets. yeah he needs i think he's from winnipeg am i is not he? mistaken yeah oh my god yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. winnipeg and his name is jet like he needs to be on that team <laughs> <laughs> if if gary bettman stepped in and made an executive decision that they, he had to transfer that contract to the jets nobody should be upset it should be legally allowed just no trade just it's happening uh, let's see any other questions here. Uh, Trinka says, we need Owen Beck hype level excitement again. Give us the serotonin. I mean, we did talk about Beck, but should we talk we- about where where is he as a prospect right now? Is, is he like, do you see him as strong as like at draft day or is he kind of like leveled off a little bit? I feel like my hype excitement is waning slightly because the longer they drag this trade out, the less more stressed I get that something's <laughs> going to happen. He's going to end up in the Sioux, but it's not, not that that would be a bad place for him. I'm just like, now that the Saginaw back to Saginaw idea has been planted in my head, like that's the only place I want him to end up. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the, I think we saw it really reflected in this tournament exactly what Beck is going to be in the NHL. Uh, a solid third line center, defensive zone starts, um, PK. Um, probably not as much of an offensive opportunity as he's going to get in the rest of his junior career. Right. Um, but he played well enough, like the off-puck positioning, the winning, the little one-on-one battles. Um, he played well enough to kind of basically like this is the Habs third line center of the future, at least in my opinion. Like I think, you know, once stock is healthy uh, behind him and Suzuki, like I think you could easily pencil him into next year's lineup if he can prove his way in training camp. Like, I don't think the projection has changed in the slightest. I think the possibility that his upside was as high as second line center was maybe a little bit of a stretch at the time. Um, You know, the offense is kind of, um, dipped a little bit since he joined Peterborough. And, you know, if he can find a different gear with his new team, wherever he ends up landing, uh, because it sounds like he's getting traded no matter what, um, then, you know, obviously that that opens the door again for maybe his ceiling to be potentially a little bit higher than third line center upside. But um, yeah, I mean, like this was his projection heading into uh, the draft and this is still his projection now I don't think he's done anything to suggest that he won't be a successful third line center in the NHL yeah 100% uh, Amy P says when will the announcer what will the announcers do when old Vancouver gets their second Elias Pedersen great question it's gonna be tough I don't they're gonna have to just call the number right they, they have to because you can't do E Peterson on the back of the jersey either like what's the point what uh, is like original PD and uh, younger PD I don't know <laughs> defenseman pd and forward pd there you go f and d uh, uh jean simard asks we're gonna go for both he's asking lauren specifically but uh, can lauren sell us on her favorite ohl player for the 2024 oh she's saying ohl draft i'm guessing you mean nhl draft and then david you can give us your favorite player whoever it is uh it's maybe like you rank higher than other people for uh for the 2024 draft and then we'll close it out Okay, so I guess I'll start. Uh, David has heard me talk about this player enough this season because I won't shut up about him in Slack. But uh, Luke Misa, Michael's older brother, is draft eligible this year. He is a currently the Mississauga Steelhead's first line center. So I guess you could say I have a thing for whatever is going on in Mississauga and their center or in their centers. But um, he's a super good uh, rush uh, transition, super fast, super speedy, a little bit undersized at five ten. I think he's at. Um, just the, the offensive instincts, the uh, ability to shape players, um, kind of create space for himself. Very impressive at this age, especially, uh, a player who is undersized. Um, I just really love the game that he plays. He's defensively aware, responsible, uh, heavy on back checks, uh, stick lifts at the right times, well positioned, kind of the plays like super consistently at both ends of the ice. Uh, and the other guy I really like in Saginaw, I've already mentioned him is Zane Parekh. 
uh, super fun, dynamic offensive defenseman who can create magic in the offensive zone. Uh, defense has shown some improvement this year. Uh, it's obviously not as consistent as you know you would ideally like it to be by the time he gets to the NHL. But uh, given that he's shown some improvement this year compared to last year, I'm willing to think it's going to continue to keep improving as long as he puts in the attention to detail um that sort of thing but the super dynamic offensively uh super fun to watch yeah David mine would be Ryder Richie um he's not he's flying a bit under the radar right now we have him at nine he's probably going to fall you know on the next board because he was scoring a lot now he's scoring less than a point per game and that's always a red flag for a draft eligible forward uh and he's, he's injured right now the, the, the thing to keep in mind with him is that he's playing not in the best situation right now in prince albert uh, he doesn't have a lot of offensive support and he's a player who loves to make highlight real play so he forces a lot of passes forces a lot of dangles but his skill level is really really high doesn't show up every game he's very inconsistent and i think he's going to fall on draft day a bit but he's someone you should keep in the back of your mind when you look at the draft as someone who could fall maybe in the 20s uh, we'll see depending on his injury who could be a real steal down the line because the skill level is very high and he has that try everything mentality that's needed for development um so i really like him unfortunately it's going to be high to, uh, hard to keep him high because of the injury because of the production but he's someone to keep an eye on there you go two players to pay attention to in the upcoming draft i like the idea of a guy who's like not quite figured it out and he's gonna fall and that's the kind of guy that you want in like the, the, the mid first round that maybe you steal. Right. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in on these, this, uh, this show in general, we hope to bring it back next year in uh, the same or similar format with elite prospects. It's been fantastic dealing with our amazing scouts from there and our great hosts at SDPN. So for game over juniors, 2024, make sure you check the description on this podcast. If you're listening on a podcast or this YouTube video, if you're watching on YouTube, and follow David and Lauren everywhere you can find them. Go to Elite Prospects, go to EP Rinkside. Make sure you watch their videos on YouTube as well because the breakdowns are fantastic when put to video. Like it, it just, it helps you understand the game, seriously. So I highly recommend it. Thanks to everyone, to Mitch, to Lauren, to Chase, everyone at Elite Prospects, for to JD for helping put this together. It was really, really fun and I'm glad that I got to be able to come on one time during this chaotic holiday season with my two young kids all right everyone we'll see you uh tomorrow i guess for me on game over montreal